Um, but I'm excited to dive in today for our Easter Sunday service. Uh, you know, Easter is, is, a, is a holiday, comes every year. And here's a question that I always, when I approach and uh, prayerfully as we think through the messages, is what does Easter mean for us? Um, I kind of call it the so what test, right? We, we celebrate Easter, come on, we, we put on our pastels, uh, we, we get dressed up, we uh, come on, if your parents, you, you drag your kids out the house, uh, you, almost, you almost lose your faith leaving the house, come on, um, you threaten your children's life to wear that outfit, maybe just our household, but uh, it's like hostile negotiation, um, uh, but um, uh, to get out and to, to come together, and many of you have plans afterwards, whether to grab uh, brunch with, with a close uh, group of family and friends, but um, I, I want to talk today about what does Easter mean for us? What's the significance of this day uh, for us? And uh, I, I, we're going to look at a passage um, out of John chapter 11, if you're unfamiliar, it's where actually Jesus resurrects Lazarus from the dead. Um, and, and here's why this, this passage is relevant for Easter, because Easter, we celebrate the fact that, that our King, Jesus, rose again. Um, and we, we celebrate that. But in this story, he actually makes a statement about himself, really foretelling what he was going to do, because he says that I am the resurrection and the life. Um, as he resurrects his friend Lazarus. We're gonna look at this passage and really draw out some, uh, some applications, some thoughts of really what the resurrection of Jesus does for us in our own life. But let's pray. Father, we just thank you uh, today uh, for this moment, God, that Easter, God, again, we know all the festivities that may be planned, God, but we thank you, Lord, that we come today, uh, first and foremost, to celebrate you, to honor you. And God, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us today uh, as we open up your word uh, that you would speak through my voice and that we posture our hearts and our minds to receive from you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. So we're gonna be in John chapter 11, if you have your Bibles. I have them on, on the screen behind me, on the, on the screens in the back as well. Uh, we're gonna read a little bit of, little, little bit of scripture. Um, let me give context. So, so Jesus, um, his friend Lazarus had died. Uh, he was friends with Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And uh, what I love about this passage is a number of things. One of the things is, is that, Lazarus and Mary specifically, they were actually known as notorious sinners. Um, they were known for their unholy lifestyles. Uh, they were known publicly. Come on, you know you're really good at sinning when you're known for it. Come on, like, like the word on the street is. Like, like not, not what you do for a career, like what you do that's not so great. And I love the fact that Jesus befriends sinners. Aren't you glad that's our God? See, sometimes I think we have, to, we have to remind ourselves on who Jesus actually is because sometimes we've been around church uh, for any number of years. Sometimes I think we can kind of get a, kind of a, a nice pearly polished version of God, that he's just God high up above. And yes, he is high up above, but the good news is he came way down below. He took on flesh and bones and who he spent his time with were people that nobody thought he would. And that's good news because that means there's room for each and every one of us. So, he, so what happens is Martha sends word to Jesus, your friend Lazarus is dead. Now they thought because Lazarus is dead, Jesus is gonna like run, that's his boy. Like they, they, they've been hanging out for years. They're gonna, he's gonna run, heal him. All's gonna be good. Doesn't happen. Jesus actually waits two days. And it says this, upon arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. So he was dead four days. 
Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard Jesus was coming, she went out outside to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know even now, God will give whatever you ask. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And then he goes on to say in verse 24, see verse 24? I have it. He goes on to say, um, sorry, verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. Even though they die, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who has come into the world. So here we see in this moment that, uh, that Jesus, uh, he comes to Martha. And, and, and Martha, uh, she, she's the kind of person, she, she is a kind of type A planner type of personality. Uh, come on, any, any type A planners in the room? Come on, you would admit it. Come on. Some of you are like, you're such meticulous planners. You're like, I did not plan to raise my hand in church, therefore I will not raise my hand in church. Now, if I said who's, who's the more spontane spontaneous type, everyone who is would be like, yes, like I didn't plan that. And I don't plan most things. I'm just kidding. Um, Martha was like, you're getting done kind of person. She has a plan for her plan. Come on. She got a task list for her to-do list. Like she, but here's the thing. A lot of times you've been around church, Martha can get like a bad rep, but here's the thing. Without Martha, the world would stop revolving. Come on, somebody, right? Martha's make the world go round, right? Uh, so there's, there's benefits to both. So let's not get that twisted. Uh, so Martha, but here's the, here's the tension. Maybe you've been there before. Martha's a planner. And sometimes a downside of a planner um, can sometimes, we, we can try to use our plan to control the situation. I know I'm stepping on some toes. I'm sorry. I know it hurts. Just ice them after service. And, and listen, her plan did not work out. Her expectations were not met. Have you ever faced the tension of God not meeting your expectations? I spoke to someone this week and they were like, they were, they were like, I was praying so long for something and it didn't happen. That's hard. That's hard. Can we just acknowledge that? Can we acknowledge the tension that sometimes God does not answer prayers? I'd love to sit up here and be like, man, full of faith, you pray and God will do it. And yes, he may. But here's what I found. See, the Bible says God's ways are above our ways. And here's the reality. If God always met your expectations, you would never give him room to exceed your expectations. And our God, Ephesians 3.20, does exceedingly and abundantly and above all you could ever ask, think, or imagine. And, and so if he always did exactly what you wanted, can, can I just be real for a moment? Uh, if, if God always did what you wanted, then, then, then we, we would, he would then be coming down to our level. But we want him to remain a supernatural, all-powerful, all-loving, right? God. And he wants to exceed our expectations. He wants to do exceedingly and abundantly above. So, so she has this frustration point. And, and then here's how Jesus responds. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't say, hey, hey, Martha, don't worry. Don't worry, girl. Listen, you know me for years. We go way back. You know how I do, right? No, he didn't say that. He didn't say, don't worry, Martha. I'm going to raise him back from the dead. He referred to who he was. 
I want you to catch this. Because Jesus did not want Martha to build her faith upon what God could do, but build her faith upon who he is. Because who he is will never change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. What he does may change. Your circumstances may shift. But who he is can never change. So he's saying, Martha, build your faith on who I am. Here's the good news of the resurrection of Jesus. Is that the resurrection of Jesus, this is point number one, it actually restores our faith. Restores our faith in him. See, can I be honest for a moment? Well, I am going to be honest for a moment. Here's the reality. When our faith, and I say this very humbly and compassionately, I hope you hear that heart. When our faith is shaken because things didn't work out how we hoped, then perhaps it was because our faith was in the hope, not in the one we put our hope in. Maybe our faith was actually in the plan that our uncle would get healed, that he would be the one, that our marriage would make it, that we would get pregnant, that that I would get that job, and maybe not in the one. Who is the giver of all good gifts, the Bible says. Again, I'm compassionate because I understand I've been there where you're let down, you're disappointed. I know many in this room personally are experiencing disappointment. But what I'm saying is God was calling Martha to something higher, and I believe today is calling us to something higher, church. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. It reminds me of of Proverbs chapter 3 where it says, trust in the Lord. Not in the ways of the Lord. Not in the activity of God. Not in the blessings of God, not in the answered prayers from God. Trust in who? The Lord, not in what He does. He says, With all of your heart, lean not into your own understanding, and all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. I love Psalm 119. The psalmist David, later known as King David, writes, You are good, and what you do is good. That's who God is. He is good. His nature, in essence, is good. And here's good news for us Romans 8 28. And we know that all things, can we stop right there? He didn't say that we know that some things, that we know that most things, we know that all things, 100% of the time, all things work together for good to those who are love God and are called according to his purpose. Can I help you out today? If it is not good yet, God's not done yet. Keep trusting in who he is. Keep trusting in his character and his nature. Keep putting your trust and faith in him. Don't put your trust and faith at what's going to happen at the end of this pandemic. Don't, don't put your trust in the faith of, of what's going to happen towards the end of this year. Actually, the Bible says everything else in this world is actually shakable. Haven't we seen that this year? We've seen entire countries shaken by a virus. I don't say that lightly. Can I tell you, we serve a God whose kingdom can never be shaken. A kingdom who knows no end. A kingdom that we cannot see with our natural eyes, but it's more real than the actual chair you're sitting on right now. The kingdom of heaven, church. This is what we live for. This is what Easter is about. Easter's not about a better life here on earth. It's the fact that we have the king of kings who died on the cross. He rose again. We can put our trust in him and we'll live forever and eternity with him. See, 915 didn't get that, so you're, you're welcome. That's what I call a little, little side dish right there. Something from the Lord. <laughs> but it's true. 
It's true. I say it. It's true. It's love. But, but, I, but, but, but we got to remember, listen, here's the truth. And then we're going to move on to point two. If we're not careful, we can allow our disappointments to, to distract us from God's goodness. Let me give you a case in point. I was, uh, took my daughter, Hannah. I got, I got a few, those who don't know me, I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old. Uh, pray for me. That's why I'm bald, uh, if you didn't know. Um, I named the hairs I lost after them. It's really uh, touching now. Um, <laughs> so my, 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 I took my daughter, Hannah, on a date. We go on, try to go to a, dad, a daddy date once a month because with three kids in the house, we often go out of one-on-one time. So I take them out of the house and we get something uh, kind of focused on one time. So we, we went out, and we went to a bookstore. She loves books. Um, and then we went to get, like, a muffin at a bake shop. And so we come home, and my five-year-old son is standing at the top of the stairs like this, like a, like a, like a father of a teenage, child, a teenage individual, like, being like, you are 15 minutes late. Like, you know, like, he's like, you took Hannah on a date. It's like, yes, I did. He's like, and you got her a book. Also accurate, and you got a treat. We did. <laughs> he was upset. He was disappointed. You know, a lot of times, our disappointments can actually be the result of our comparisons. We're often disappointed because we're actually looking at somebody else's life and somebody else's calling, and we're wondering why we don't have that. And when God's saying, won't you look what I've done in your life? Because there's somebody else who's actually disappointed that they want what you have. There are some who you want the dream job, but then you have three kids at home when you're married and somebody wants three kids at home and be married. See, that's how the enemy does it. He's like, I'll get you to want your life and I'll get you to want their life and then no one will be content. That's how it works, doesn't it? So listen, our disappointments can distract us from actually God's goodness. Here's what I did with Judah. I said, Judah, I said, Judah, Judah, I, I understand. I said, Judah, what did we do two days ago? We went to the bookstore. I said, what did we do after the bookstore? We got a cookie. I said, and then who? What did you do today? I went on a date with mommy. He, entire, he forgot entirely all of the good things because he was comparing himself to his sister. I'm going to challenge each of you today part of your Easter celebration, do an audit of your life, write down the good things God's done for you. And can I tell you, I'm going to help you right now. If you can't think of it, you can say this, man, I, especially through the year that we've had, can I be real church? Thank God I got breath in my lungs. Thank God my heart beat today. Thank God I had a car to get into today. Thank God these kids I had to drag out to get to church today. I got these kids. Thank God this job, I may not love it so much, but God's been faithful and I had a steady income through this pandemic. You need to begin thanking God for the small things, then maybe you'll begin to see God move in big ways in your life. He, he, he restores our faith. He is good. What he does is good. Here's number two. Here's number two. He revives our soul. He, he then goes to Mary, right? He goes to Martha and he goes to Mary. And I love Mary. Mary, Mary is an emotive individual. She, she's a feeler. Any feelers in the room? Come on. I'm a little bit of both. Um, I can be emotional if you can't tell. Um, and uh, so I, I, I kind of I vibe with Mary. She, so she sees, says, she sees, she reached the place where Jesus was. She saw she fell on his feet. And she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
When Jesus saw her weeping, and Jews who had come along also saw her weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Then Jesus wept. Come on, if you want to, if you want to have a Bible verse to remember, start with John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. Come on. You're welcome. That was free. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. So he saw Mary. So here's Mary. She comes and she, she throws herself down at his feet. And, and she's in this posture that's very vulnerable. She's lying down. And, and just so you know, in that culture, in that time, um, in, in war, in the act of war, uh, when an army would surrender, they would literally lie down face first. It, it was the most vulnerable position saying, it's like waving the white flag. Like, we're, we give. That's what Mary was like. It's a very vulnerable position. Here's what it tells me. Mary, Mary knew that Jesus could handle her vulnerability. Have you ever been around someone that you knew you couldn't be like 100% real with? Like, I can't be my, vul- I can't be my real self around this person because they, they're not going to receive it. Like, they can't. Come on, you ever, you ever use, this, use this phrase? Like, they can't handle me. <laughs> Anybody else here thought that? They can't handle real me. Like, like and, and you can't be that with everyone, but, but you need someone. That's a side note. Um, but Mary was, was 100% real. I imagine Mary on her face kind of getting some ugly cry. Come on, somebody I'm talking about. You know, you got a real friend when you can ugly cry with them. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like <laughs> you know, like that kind of cry. You need to cry like that about once a month. It's good for your soul. It like cleanses the soul. It does something. Um, she, she's 100% real with Jesus. 100% vulnerable with Jesus. Here's what she understood. Hebrews 4 says this. For we do not have a high priest, referring to Christ, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Here's what it says, that we have a God who can empathize with us in all of our weakness. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the life of Jesus, let me give you some context. Jesus was betrayed by one of his closest friends. Have you been betrayed and hurt in your life? Jesus can relate. Jesus experienced physical suffering, which we all know Good Friday was all about his suffering. If you're in physical pain, Jesus can relate. Do you know if you were in mental and emotional anguish, Jesus can relate? Because in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was anguished in his soul. He can relate. So we have a God who understands when you have chronic pain, pain in your body, he understands physical suffering. When you are like 41% of Americans right now experiencing clinical levels of anxiety and depression, and you are anguished in your soul right now, he understands. We have a God who understands, a God who empathizes. And when you talk to somebody who can empathize with you, it enables you to be more real and vulnerable with them. You know, in Isaiah 53, 5, um, the scriptures say that, that Jesus was, was crushed for our iniquities. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was referring to his, on the cross. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on the cross because today is Resurrection Sunday, but there's no resurrection without death. Um, but on the cross, when he was on the cross, a Roman guard came up to him, uh, and they shoved a, a spear in his side to puncture his heart, basically to make sure he was dead. When they did that, blood and water both came out, which medically, what that tells us is that Jesus was already dead, and his chest cavity had already given in. What that tells you, what, what did Jesus actually die of? 
That's physically speaking. A broken heart. Catch this. Psalm 147. <laughs> he, verse 3, he heals the brokenhearted. And he binds up their wounds. Catch this. Jesus died of a broken heart. In part, so he could heal yours. That word broken heart, here's the actual translation in the original Hebrew. It literally means a shattered self. Like that feeling you got when you find out a loved one died. That feeling when you, you find out when you realize your marriage is, is ending. That feeling you have when that dream job you didn't get. Or you, that med school you applied to you didn't get in. That shattered feeling. He says he heals our broken heart. Our God cares. You know, I was reminded of my son Judah. Uh, when he was two or three years old, he got into branded Band-Aids. I don't know if Emmy's rocking a branded Band-Aid today, like a Paw Patrol Band-Aid, a little Mickey Mouse Band-Aid. He, he loved Paw Patrol. If you don't know what Paw Patrol is, they are a group of super pups uh, that saved the world. Uh, so it's about it in a nutshell. Pretty amazing. Um, but he, he loved Paw Patrol. And uh, we had Paw Patrol Band-Aids. So he would, he would literally, I think he like faked boo-boos. Because he would, like, get a boo-boo. He'd be like, Daddy, I need a Band-Aid. And literally, I'm not kidding, he would, like, have them, like, all over his arm. Like, it was like he was getting a tattoo. Like, he was just, he was just covering his body with them. Like, now, every time he would come to me, I knew, okay, I don't think he's, like, he's not bleeding. There's really no scrape. I think he's making it up. But I'll give him a Band-Aid. <laughs> Even if he had a minor scrape, he would come to me. And here's the thought I had. You know how quick I was as a father to, to, to bandage his, his wounds? <laughs> can I tell you sometimes what can happen if we're not careful in church and with God is we can think to ourselves, Jeremy, that's great to hear, but, but my situation compared to other people's situation, mine's not that bad. And here's what we're saying. is We're saying unintentionally, God, my hurt is too small for you. Like you don't need to bother yourself with that, God. Like, you're, you're kind of CEO of the world. You don't need to know about my heartbreak because my relationship ended. You don't need to know about my, my sorrow because I didn't get the job. Can I tell you, in the same way I was quick to bandage all of Judah's wounds, God cares about all of your heartbreaks, all of your hurts, all of your hardships, all your stress. So here, here's what you do. Here's how you respond. Psalm 55, 22. Scripture says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. Let me give you this note. It says, cast your cares. That's not a suggestion. It's a command. Do you want to know why? Because we cannot handle our own burdens by ourselves. You were never intended to carry those burdens. That word cast literally means to violently throw. It's like a, like a shot put. Like, like, get off me. Like, God, this is yours, not mine. Cast your cares. It reminded me of my, my daughter, Hannah. I want to show you this visually. She, um, uh, we went on a road trip not long ago. And she uh, we went on a couple of road trips over the pandemic and couldn't travel much. So we did these little road trips with the kids. And um, we, we went on this one. And I'm out of the front porch. And I'm waiting for them to come out. She has three bags. She has one bag, which is, this is typical for her. Uh, she has one bag, which is her clothes bag. One bag, which is her toys bag, and then one bag is, like, for the car. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's, like, books and little activities and different things. So she comes and brings those three bags out. So I'm staying at the porch waiting for her. So she comes and literally drops off each of the bag at my feet and goes into the car bag-free. 
I'm like, what are we running around here? Where's my tip? <laughs> I don't get paid enough to be your father. <laughs> Any parents ever feel that way? Come on, just be real. Like, help a parent out. Come on. I mean, it's, I, mean I know we brought him into the world, but, you know. Um, she had no issue. She knew. I know my dad. My dad will lovingly and willingly carry my bags for me. I can drop my baggage off him anytime I need to. You know, here's the reality. Because we all got baggage. Um, we all got various types of baggage. Um, some can maybe feel a little bit smaller. Some can be a little bit, uh, a little bit larger. But we all got baggage. And here's what baggage may look like. Baggage may look like uh, maybe we have some anxiety, some, some cares, some burdens that sometimes inhibit us from sleeping through the night because there's things that are running through our minds. That maybe interfere with our interactions with other people because what's running through our minds maybe has, has even caused uh, tension headaches. And that, that's, that's, what, that, that's what that can look like. It can also look like the baggage of, of maybe, maybe of, of feeling lonely. Maybe you're single and you've, you live alone and working remotely and this pandemic has been hard. Maybe for you, the, the, the baggage is, is just feeling overwhelmed. Maybe you're a parent. You're, you've been working from home. You've been, uh, kids have been doing remote school. You've been having to wear multiple hats at multiple times, all of the time, feeling overwhelmed. And can I tell you, here's the reality. We all have baggage. And if you don't think you have baggage, that's your baggage. Come on, aren't you glad you came to church? We, have, we all have baggage. Financial stress. You know, you know, they've actually found, I read an article recently, I didn't read it fully yet, but they were actually finding this pandemic because a year of chronic stress. They're actually finding how stress is manifesting in different ways. And they're basically, this article is concluding, basically everyone, that's a strong statement, but they're basically, culturally, we all have been under a chronic state of stress and anxiety. We've all been carrying around baggage. And listen, I'm not to minimize what we've been walking through. I'm not to minimize anybody's predicament, even neurochemical. I'm not speaking about that. But here's what I'm saying. And here's a practice I try to do is a cast through cares. In the same way that Hannah confidently left her baggage with her daddy, you can confidently give your baggage to your father. And here's what it looks like. You find yourself, maybe those thoughts are running through your mind. You're overwhelmed. You're stressed. It's have a time with the Lord saying, God, I give this over to you. I give this over to you. God, I need you. I'm giving this. Listen, I'm relinquishing authority. Because <laughs> here's what's going to happen if we're not careful. We can say, God, I'm giving that situation at work. God, it's yours. A few days later, well, you're not working fast enough, Lord, so I'm just going to go ahead and make this happen, Right? And then go back, okay, God, I'm going to give it back to you. So sometimes you have to do it multiple times. But can I tell you, you can cast your cares upon God. That word sustains, it means he will strengthen you. He will nourish you. Listen, because of his resurrection, he can restore your soul. Here's the last point, is that the resurrection of Jesus redeems our life. So now he comes to Lazarus. He's, he's talked to Mary and Martha, and now he comes to the brother, and he says with Lazarus, he, he goes to open the tomb. He says, open up the tomb. And, 
And Martha said, no, Jesus, it's going gonna, it's gonna to stink really, really bad. Um, here's what Mary, Martha was worried about. Just if you read, read between the lines in the scripture, is, is she was worried. She had told her friends all about Jesus. There was a crowd there. And she was wondering, what if the God who I saw heal blind eyes, the, the, the man who said he is the son of God, what if he doesn't do it right now? And what if they roll back that stone and it's a, a, just a terrible stench? Can I, can I say this? Not all the time, but, but I do think this is applicable. Sometimes in order to experience God's resurrection power, you have to take a personal risk. And Martha took a personal risk. Let me give you other context. Jesus came on the fourth day. Here, why was that significant? Because in that culture at that time, in, in Jewish culture, it was believed that for three days after someone died, a dead, their dead spirit hovered around their body. So within those three days, if they came back to life, it was because their dead spirit re-entered their body. So Jesus showed up on the fourth day. Why? Because he wanted them to see, this is not the work of man. This is not even the work of your cultural beliefs. This is the hand of God. He wanted to show them, I know no bounds. My power extends beyond cultural boundaries. My power extends beyond natural limitations. I'm going to show up on the day where you think there's no hope. I'm going to show up on the day when you, when you begin to, the, the people who came to visit pack up their bags. They begin to check out of their Airbnb. Come on. They're like, it's over. Let's go ahead and move on out. He shows up then. Here's what the resurrection does for us. The resurrection does in our life personally is the encouragement that it's not over until our God says it's over. It's that actually your worst day is not the final day because they would have thought at that point, day four, this is over. Lazarus is dead. Make funeral preparations. Let's schedule a viewing. Let's pick out a casket. And Jesus shows up and says, hold on. Because he told Martha, I'm the resurrection of life. So he took away the stone. He says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. Don't you just love the boldness of Jesus? He's like, yeah, they dad, I know you always good. These people, not so much. That's a Jeremy international version. Show off, dad. These people, they don't know what I'm actually doing here. They actually think they're here to witness a physical resurrection. What they don't know is that I actually want to do a spiritual resurrection in their hearts. What they don't realize is actually that they're actually spiritually dead. And I've come to give them life. He says, when he, said, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Do you know why he said Lazarus, come out? Because he would have said, come out. It would have looked like a Michael Jackson thriller video. All the dead would have rised. <laughs> He's like, let me be specific. Lazarus, rest of y'all, just chill for a moment, okay? I'll come back for you later. It's not your time yet. <laughs> Lazarus, come out. Dead man came out of his hands and feet, wrapped in strips of linen and cloth around his face. He said, take off the grave clothes, let him go. For the wages, and then he, oh yeah, so that's the next verse, sorry. Uh, he takes off the grave clothes. So, so here in this moment, I want you to catch this. Jesus says, Lazarus come out, he comes out. So here, here's what Jesus was doing in this moment. 
As he was using this moment of physical resurrection to speak to a spiritual resurrection, he wanted to do in the hearts and lives of people. We're thinking, Jeremy, what do you mean by this? Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Sin is any time you miss the mark of God. Because you have breath in your lungs, you are a human, you have missed the mark of God at one time. For a lot of us, including myself, many a times. It says, for we've, 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 we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, so the, the, the penalty of our sin is death. That we, our penalty we owe is death for our sin. But here's the good news, and here's where redemption comes in. Romans 3, 23. For all sin and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That word redemption, you know what that means? It means a ransom payment. It means a payment you were supposed to pay has been paid for. I remember I was at a restaurant with a, um, a friend of mine years ago, and we were a part of a church, and we got to pay for our bill. And the waiter says, it's actually been taken care of already. I was like, well, can you point them out? Because I'm going to invite them to lunch next time. <laughs> Partially true. Have you ever had that moment when you're going to pay for something that's already paid for? It's a great feeling. Here's the reality. When we, we end this life here on earth, we will have a moment. We'll have a bill that says you, Jeremy Burroughs, you sinned. Penalty, the payment is your death. And here's the good news is that Christ has offered a ransom payment for each and every one of us. And because of that payment, you can say, no, no, I, I, I know someone. Oh, I see that. Actually, someone's already paid the bill for you. Now enter into eternity with him. Church, that's what Easter's about. Easter's not about a, a, all the festivities, Easter egg hunts, a bunny. It's not even about church. It's about the fact that, that Christ is the resurrection and the life. He is the son of God. He lived a sinless life, but he took upon the sin of the entire world. All of your mistakes, all of your failures, all of your misgivings, everything you've done that you shouldn't have done and everything you didn't do that you should have done. He took it on a cross three days later, defied all natural and cultural boundaries. He rose again, perfect and spotless lamb, the one final sacrifice for all of humanity. And he stands before us today here on Easter Sunday saying, I did this for you. Will you receive it? Will you receive it? Remember some, uh, make sure that's John 10, 10. The words of Jesus, he says this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, referring to the enemy. He says, but I've come to give you life and life to the full. You know that word, life to the full? It literally means I have come to exceed your expectations. Remember I said earlier, if God always met your expectations, he can never exceed your expectations. I was reminded back a number of years ago, I was flying to a conference for work and um, the, the, the flight was overbooked. So a woman comes in the intercom. She says, excuse me, everyone. Everyone's in the terminal like this. Uh, we, uh, we have overbooked this flight. So we're asking anyone who was willing to move to a later flight. We have a $250 voucher. And I was like, no, I paid for this flight. I want to get to this conference on time. This is what I'm going there for. 
Then she comes on and says, okay, we are now giving away $500 vouchers. And I said, your boys listen, okay. <laughs> Go on, all right, you got my attention. Then she comes on and says, all right, we still have, we still need more room, a $750 voucher. I was like, sold, sold. <laughs> I went up there. I not only got a $750 voucher, so catch this. I then flew, I think, I think that, that year I went on vacation to the Dominican Republic. I flew for free. It's awesome. On vacation. Um, and I, uh, but I also got a $100 voucher to a steak restaurant there in the airport. I was like, well, I might just not go to this conference now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, do you want to bump me to a later flight? <laughs> now, I ended up missing part of the conference. So I, I, I did give up something. I, I missed part of the conference. But can I tell you, it exceeded my expectations. Can I tell you, I don't even remember the conference now. I can't even tell you the name of it. <laughs> but I remember that vacation, that voucher. Can I tell you in the same way? Here's what I had to do. I had to simply go claim it. I had to go claim my, my, my gift for simply giving up my seat. I had to go claim it. I had to go up there and declare it. Reminds me of Romans 10. It's my final scripture. Paul says this, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Here's what Paul says. Here's what Paul says. Here's how you receive the ransom payment. Here's how you, you, you spend eternity in heaven with Christ. Can, can I say this for a moment? may have heard in the church before, I don't know what your church background may be, but the, ta- the teaching of heaven and hell. Do you know this, that God never created hell for people to go to? It was not intended ever for a person to go to hell, ever. It was created for Satan. He has prepared a place for us in heaven. He died on a cross on Good Friday and resurrected on Easter Sunday. So you could go to the place he prepared for you. And what does Paul say? How do you receive that? You just believe it in your heart. I believe that he is the resurrection and the life. That's why I remember to the beginning of our point, he said, believe in me, in me, not what I do in me, because I'm the resurrection and the life. Believe me, then confess with your mouth. In the same way, I had to go up to that. I believe, okay, I believe that woman. $750, I believe her. I'm, now I'm going to go claim it. So I had to go up there and say, ma'am, I'm your man, right? <laughs> I'll take it. He's saying you believe in your heart and you just confess with your mouth. Jesus, your Lord, you're saved. That's the good news of Easter. It's, you don't have to fix yourself. You don't have to become more moral or more holy or stop drinking that or ingesting this or watching that or going there or thinking those things, you don't have to stop. In fact, Jesus will help you find more freedom. Jesus will help you stop doing things you don't want to do. Jesus will help you with all that. More importantly, he just wants you. He says, I did this for you. Easter's about him and what he did for us. We simply believe it, we confess it. I'm gonna help you with the confession part. Here's what I want you to do, I want you to bow your heads both here in Bethesda and online. Everybody, I want to, a moment of just privacy. I want to ask a simple question. If you're here and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, you've never received a free gift. It's a free gift. 
It's unconditional. No conditions, no shrinks. A free gift of what he's done for you. A ransom payment. So that when you, at the end of your life, arrive before heaven, and they'll say, paid in full, enter. Spend eternity with him. So you, he can exceed your expectations here on earth. That's what he did for you. You've never made the decision. You never received that gift from Christ. I want to invite you today to receive that gift. I'm going to help you with the confession. You just simply believe in your heart. No one looking around. But on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand because I believe the importance of a physical just action of just saying, that's me. You can simply put it up and then put it back down. I just want to know who I'm praying with. So if that's you, if you're saying, Jeremy, today I want to see the free gift of salvation and eternal life, I want you to lift your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Just lift it up. That's me. That's me. That's me. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. All over the room. That's great. A few more moments. Just say, that's me. Just put it up. That's me. That's me. You can put it up and put it back down. That's great. You can put your hands down. I want to I ask for one more group. You're here and you, you have committed your life to Christ before. You've followed Jesus. You've, you've walked with him. But you've drifted away. Maybe the course of this pandemic, maybe the course of the last months, you felt distant. You've distanced yourself. And today you feel in your heart, it's like, a, it's like a demarcation line moment. You're saying, today, God, I'm recommitting my life to you. I'm following you once again. If that's you, again, you followed Christ, but now you're recommitting yourself. You're saying, afresh and now, I'm recommitting my life to you. If that's you, I want you to shoot your hand up on the count of three. No one looking around. You can put it up, put it back down. Ready? One, two, three. Just lift it up. That's me. That's me. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. That's great. A few more moments, if that's you, just shoot it up and put it back down. Just that's me, Jeremy. I'm rekindling my life afresh and new to Christ. Awesome. I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to pray uh, with that first group. I'm going to pray that second group. Church, let's pray this together with them. You can just pray underneath, underneath your breath. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for going to the cross and giving your life for me. I believe you rose again. I confess you're Lord of my life. I repent of my sin and I ask that you lead me and guide me in Jesus' name. Church with heads bowed still, I'm gonna pray with that second group. So if you're in that second group, I want you to pray this prayer. It's Lord Jesus, I recommit my life to you. I turn from my own ways and I turn towards you. Give me the strength and the courage to follow your ways and to follow you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, Catalyst. Can put our hands together for all of those who made that decision here in Bethesda and online. Hey, if you made that decision, we would love to know about it. I'd love to help you take a next step uh, and as well as send you a gift. Um, you can simply text the word Catalyst to 94000. Uh, it'll take you to our connection card. You can fill out that you've uh, committed your life to Jesus. Uh, again, whether you're watching online or here in Bethesda.